How you guys doing today? Good. Let's go before the Father once again in prayer and ask him to bless our time. Father, we're thankful for this opportunity to come before you. Lord, thank you, Father, for the subjects that we're talking about today, the subjects that we've been on for these last few weeks. Father, even as we remind ourselves that you won't fail, but Father, the struggle that we have is that oftentimes your people will. So Father, some of us, we're wrestling with that promise, but some of us are even, are even more so wrestling with the promise of your church, the purpose of your church, the intentions of your church. So Father, I pray, God, that you would give your church, this church, clarity today. And Father, we'll do our best to give you the praise. We'll do our best to give you the honor. We'll do our best to give you the glory. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen and amen. All right. How you guys doing? I hope you guys are doing well. It is good to be here. If you guys are if you're here for the first time or if you've been here for a while, like um, Mitchell said earlier, we take August of just getting our chance to re to kind of put our stakes in the ground and talk about who we are. And so, and if you've been tracking with us, basically there's two different types of tracks that we've been kind of going on. The first track is the track that we've always gone on is this the idea of is our identity. Well, you know, who are we as a church? And this is where you've heard and you hear it over and over again. We talk about the gospel changing people and people changing the world. We exist to unleash those people, healthy people, to do ministry where life exists, where we define health as growing in the gospel. Once you hear that gospel, growing in the gospel, in the context of family while on mission, right? And so what we aim is that. So think about it. If we talk about being healthy, gospel, family, and mission, we say, what does that look like? We don't want to just leave it up in the air. Basically, we're saying that growing in the gospel is growing up into a gospel-centered believer, a gospel-centered believer where we begin to understand that the gospel reshapes our identity, where we live, we speak, and um, we live, we speak, and we think as people who have been made new. We are new creations, right? So that's our relationship with God. But then we talk about our relationship with one another, that we say the church is not like family, but we are family as responsible siblings, right? God is our father. Jesus is our elder brother, and we are brothers and sisters in Christ. That's our relationship with God. And then our relationship with our neighbors, that we're indigenous disciple makers, that we intentionally seek to make disciples where we live, where we work, and where we play. God has given us a platform. Each and every one of us has a platform. It's your job. It's your home. It's your, every area that you, it's your neighborhood where life exists. And so our focus is that we want to unleash, unleash you to cultivate those three relationships, right? Your relationship with God, your relationship with other believers and your relationship with your neighbors. And then we want to help you to not to get out of the religious mindset that Christianity is about giving just your tithe, right? Giving the first fruits or just giving your church service or just giving your quiet time. Those are all disciplines. Those are all reminders that let you know that all of your life is God's. All of your life is your resources. And that's the why we have today the generous steward. What is a generous steward, right? Generous steward is this, that we all recognize that we are stewards of God's time, of God's talent, and of God's treasures. And we leverage all of God's time, all of God's talents, and all of God's treasures to cultivate those other three relationships. That's the Christian life. That's the Christian life. It's not complicated. It's about cultivating those three primary relationships, and we use all of our time, all of our talent to cultivate those relationships. So that's the first track, right? So we take our four weeks just to remind you that's what we're about. 
But then in this, we begin to ask the question, it's like, because you can do that individually, because when we talk about our identity, a lot of us focus because we live in America, we think about me. Me is the highest priority, but that's just not the way the Bible. In the Bible, the, the we is always greater than the me. That's why the greatest punishment you can have on this side of earth is being disfellowship from the body. But in America, that's nothing because we believe this theology that all I need is God. Right. But it's just not what the Bible talks about. Right. So this idea of disfellowship. And so what we've been doing in this is that's kind of like coming along the second track. And the second track is just simply, all right, is the church essential? We just wanted to ask the question. Can you be a healthy believer without the church? Right. Because the world will tell you you can. It will tell you you can. You don't need church. You don't need to go to service. So we just said, like, is it essential? And what we would say as a, as, a, as a body of believers is no. You cannot know to it. Let me not confuse you. <laughs> yes, it is essential. And no, you cannot be healthy without the church. Uh, you, hey, track with me, right? Yes, the church is essential. And no, you cannot live. You cannot be. I don't believe you can be a healthy believer. And I got 66 books of the Bible to prove it. Right? God has always worked us, um, worked our sanctification, our process of becoming more like him through the we, through the church. And so what we've been doing in that second track, as we kind of look at those four key pillars, those aims that we have, we looked at five questions. And that's really what we talked about. We talked about what is the church, because we got to talk about it. What is the church? Why, do is, why does the church exist? Right? We have to answer that question. The third question is, is what is the identity of the church? Right? What should the church be known for? Right? And then today, we're going to be looking at how do we protect her identity? So, and then the last one is how do we put her identity on display? So really what we've been talking about is those five foundational questions, really with the goal of saying, yes, the church is essential, and yes, you need it in order to grow into full maturity in Christ. Yes, yes, and yes, right? And so that is the goal. And so as, as you have, if you have your Bible, we're going to come be in a couple of different places, a couple of different places today, and I think it's important. So it's one is going to be 1 Timothy 1 Timothy chapter 3, and the other one is going to be um, Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to create this message. It's going to be a short message because we don't want it just to be about just simply words that we give, but we want to give you an opportunity to actually join in the fight, join the family of God today. And so we're going to do, um, have a ministry fair. So we're going to, I'm just going to literally spend about 10 minutes kind of walking through the text. And then we're going to have some time. We're going to have the staff and leaders to come in to talk a little bit about their ministry. And then we're going to basically move into a time of um, where we're going to literally get up and allow you to meet and to connect with some of the ministries, ministry teams, to see about how you can come alongside and serve. And we're going to do that in, these, in the next few minutes. But I just want to kind of set a foundation of the why. 
right? Set the foundation of why. I grew up, I used to love football. I, I played for my dad, played pro football, and this is really significant to me. I grew up, football was my God. I played college football at the University of Texas. Basically, football was my God and everything that I did. And I remember my first or second game, I was playing against Arizona State. It was the year that they was playing for the national championship. And um, we was there, and I'm playing against Arizona State. I remember having I had double digits in tackles. I had a, a forced fumble, a sack. Like, I was killing the game. We lost that game 52 to 7. <laughs> the next week, basically playing Texas A&M, same thing, we're going, and we were just like, God, double digits in sacks. Uh, again, I got an interception, another um, forced fumble, a sack. I mean, like, again, doing well, right? We lost that game 55 to nothing, right? And what I've learned in those first couple of games is this principle, is that I can't do it alone. And if we don't win, I don't win, right? And I think that that's an important principle that as believers we gotta understand and we gotta embrace because we have developed a Christianity that says that we, or me individually, we can do it alone and we can win without the we winning. And so what we are worried about is just our individual stats more than we are about the collective we. But the Bible talks about the we. And that's what we talked about last week about what is the identity of the church. And they said the identity of the church is that we should be known by our love, our love for one another. The Bible says that the world will know you're my disciples because of your love for one another. It's not your ism, it's not your intellectualism, it's not your mysticism, it's not your emotionalism, it's not your traditionalism, it's not any of your ism, it's simply your love for one another. It's your, your love for your relationship with God, your love for your relationship with other believers, and your love for your relationship with your neighbors. And it's until we understand both what the church is, why we exist, and what we should be known for, it's not until then that we can begin to protect the identity of church, the reason why we gather, the reason why we preach God's word, the reason why we have city groups, the reason why we have host teams, the reason why we do the things that we do, and ultimately the reason why we do all of that is to protect the identity of the church, right? That we are a spirit-empowered people walking, walking, with God, because we say it's not about us pulling ourselves up by the bootstraps and trying hard, but it's about walking with the Spirit, right? And so today, really, we look at that. This idea is that if I can't do it alone, I can't do it alone, and basically, if we don't win, I don't win. And the same is for you. You can't do it alone. And if we don't win, you don't Win. The Bible is clear about that. Um, you don't have to turn here, but just really as we go, Ecclesiastes 4 and 9 says this, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their efforts. For if either falls, his companion can lift him up. But pity the one who falls without another to lift him up. Also, if two lie down together, they can keep him warm. They can keep warm. But how can one person alone keep warm? Right? And if someone overpowers one person, two can resist them. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. Right? And so we see in Ecclesiastes that it just reinforces that principle that you can't do it alone. Right? 
So if we can't do it alone, then we have to understand that it takes, that we have to focus on cultivating a relationship, cultivating a village mentality, right? The old African proverb says that it takes a village to raise a child. And my thought is that if it takes a village to raise a child, then it takes a church to raise a Christian. That it's a we mentality, that God has given us all of our parts for the purpose of his purpose, for his purposes. And so the question is, how do we steward our time, our talent, and our treasures? Well, we do it to cultivate those three relationships. That's the easy answer. But how do we do it in the context of a church where Paul doesn't leave us up to kind of figure it out on our own? In 1 Timothy chapter 3, 14 through 15, he says it this way. He says, I write these things. Paul is talking to Timothy, a pastor. This is considered a pastoral epistle. He says, I write these things to you, hoping to come to you soon. But if I should delay, be delayed, I have written so that you will know how the people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the foundation of truth, the pillar and foundation of truth. Once we've been, if you've been tracking with us, once we um, started off, we talked about what is the church. We said that the word ecclesia is mentioned over a hundred times um, in the Bible with a hundred of them focusing in on the local church. We talked about over a hundred metaphors that God has used to help us. Things like salt and light, pillar, like, um, and we see basically three of them today. Right? right here, as he starts off, he gives us three kind of pictures, three metaphors, so that we can understand this concept of the church. In here, he says, what? How we ought to conduct ourselves in God's household. So that's one metaphor. But then he also talks about this idea of a pillar and a foundation of truth. God gives us three, three foundations to let us know that those foundations teach us that basically how do we relate to either God how do we cultivate a relationship with other, with other believers, or how do we cultivate that relationship with our neighbors? And so what we're saying is that this idea that he says how we are to conduct ourselves in God's household. So that teaches us how are we to relate to one another, but also and primarily how we relate to God, because it's his household. It's not my household. It's not your household solely. It is his household. He is the name above every name. He is the name that brings us together. He is the name that brings us, that sticks us together. So he talks about this idea. And what I love about this image of being a household is that a household, like obviously you can meet me outside of my household. You don't have to come to my house, but the household is one of the most intimate and the most intentional places that if you know you wanted to meet more holistic understanding of me, you come to my house. And so this, he's talks about, this is the place, very similar in the, in the sense of the sanctuary, that if we wanted in the Old Testament, wanted to go to God, you had to go to the sanctuary to meet in the, with God in his presence. He was, he's omnipresent and he can go anywhere, but specifically when it was time to worship, you were to go to his house, his sanctuary. And that was the place that you met with God, Right. It was the place that you were met with God. Now, the difference is, is that the church now in the New Testament is not about brick and bone or brick and stones. It says that this New Testament is about the ecclesia. It's the called out ones. It's a group of people. It's a family. It's a people that he has called out for a specific purpose and with a specific task. It's a group of people who have been redeemed by him, who has been empowered by his spirit for the purpose of relationship with God, one another, and their neighbors. 
right? And so God called out a group of people for this purpose. And so as he sets this up, understanding that we are a part of God's family, how are we supposed to operate? How are we supposed to, to act in God's household? So flip over now to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4, because this is found, lays a foundation for us that like, God has called you and I as believers in Jesus Christ to protect this identity, to be known by our love, our joy, our peace, our patience, right? To be known by the fruit of the Spirit. And so the question becomes is how do we now fight for that? How do we fight? For that. And believe me, we're in war right now because everybody, you probably have believers, you have friends, you have a lot of people who have said that the church is not essential and we don't need the, the, the church. We don't need to fight. And I think that's a part of the enemy's strategy. So in Ephesians chapter 4, we have this very tension. Paul is talking about the necessity, the necessity of the church. And um, so quickly, all right, we want to see. We see one is that this concept of cultivating a village mentality, right? We got to cultivate a village mentality. One is around our collective identity as family. We have to um, center it around our collective identity as family. Verse four, um, one, it says this, Therefore, the prisoner in the Lord urge you. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace, right? So right here, we see at the very essence of it, he tells us to walk in a manner that's worthy of the calling, right? And in that walking, he tells us do it with humility, with gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another. Again, if we looked at last week, what was that? Those were the fruit of the spirits. Those were the things that he said that we should be known for, right? In Galatians chapter 5, right? Be known, not with the lust of the flesh, but the fruit of the spirit. So he sets it up. Be known by our peace. Be known by these things. You got to understand is that the gospel makes us family. When we were saved, you didn't get just saved just to Jesus. You got saved in a family in which God is our father, Jesus is our elder brother, and we are brothers and sisters in Christ, right? So we are family, but he doesn't stop there. He doesn't stop there. He says in verse four, he says, there is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in all. Now grace was given to each of us according to the measure of Christ's gifts. What's the word we keep hearing over and over again in 4 through 7? One. One. The gospel makes us one. Right? And so the spirit of the Antichrist wants to bring division to the one. So the whole purpose of breaking us up is a part of what the Spirit is trying to do because it's the gospel that makes us one, right? When sin enters into the world, what happened? Division between God and man, between man and woman, right? So when we talk about the spirit of the Antichrist is the spirit of anything that brings division in oneness to the body. So Paul says, no, we got to understand and fight for the collective identity of our oneness. We got to fight. Right? Because there's one body, one faith, one Lord, one, one, one. You can't do it alone. God is hardwired. 
If we don't win, you can't win. Because there's no individual great performances. God is calling us to what he says in there, the body of Christ. There goes another image, body, right? You may not understand church, but you understand the body, right? And that body image helps us to understand and cultivate our relationship in two areas. One is our relationship with God, but it also helps us to cultivate our relationship with one another. And then we know that every body, every body part that we have has different parts for different purposes and different functions. And so he goes on and he says, not only do we have to fight for our oneness, we also got to cultivate a mentality and an appreciation for our diversity of giftings, for the diversity of our giftings. He goes on and he talks about how Christ descended and ascended for our sakes, talk about the death, burial, resurrection. And as he gives out, he appoints to different parts of the body. He picks it up here in um, verse 11, and he says, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers. Why? To equip the saints for the work of ministry, to the building up of the body of Christ. What I want you to hear in there is both the means and the end the means and the end. God has placed different people on different parts of the team for the purpose of having a collective we. The collective we. He understands that in the idea of that we all have different parts, but he says to equip the saints. Uh, you might misread that word because I think it's not the greatest word in the terms of how we translate the word. That word equip is the same word that they used in Matthew and in Mark when they talk about the disciples had the net was um, torn because all the fish that was coming, and they said they mended back the nets, right? That word equip is basically means to mend back. That's the literal word. So he says he's given us as apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. Why? To mend back what sin has torn. It's for the mending back. It's for the very essence of fighting for what the enemy has destroyed. If we were to ask the question, what is the church known for? Is it known for its oneness, its unity, or is it known for its division? And that's what we talked about, our brand. We know about what we're against than what we're for. And he says, he's given us the diversity of gifting so that we can be mended together. We can be mended together. You see, but this is something that we, we miss all the time. Right? But if you play football, if you play any team sport, you recognize this. I remember, again, playing football, the goal of football is scoring touchdowns, right? Will we agree? Score touchdowns. But we also know that there's some positions on the football field that you will never, ever, ever, ever score a touchdown. So does that mean you have, you've had an unsuccessful career? No. Because we also recognize that guards, centers, and tackles block. And if guards, centers, and tackles don't block, then guess what? there's no touchdowns being scored, right? And so we understand, I'm sorry using these football analogies. I'm, but it's the idea of we got to understand that we play our part so that the team, so that we could win. What if all the guards and the tackles like, I'm tired of y'all, the running backs and the quarterbacks and the receivers getting all the glory. I want, I want some glory. I want to be. And that's what we do is I don't want the gift of administration. Administration is in the background. I don't want the gift of hospitality. I, why we want to, I want to be able to preach and teach. I want to be up front. I want to score the touchdowns. 
right? And this is why what you see, Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Ephesians chapter 4, talks about it. It says, listen, all the parts of the body are essential. They're all essential for the goal of what we're about. Because he recognizes that if I don't, if, if we don't win, then I don't win. Right? And so he says that. He creates this idea of the we. You got to understand that God gives gifted people gifts for the purpose of the church. For the purpose of the church. My gift is not for me. My gift is for you. Just think about it. If I were to say, man, I have to get like, you know, I would say I potentially have the gift of teaching, right? And if I have the gift of teaching, what if I just went out and I just simply recorded all my messages and then I just set it up, you know, videoed and I just listened to myself teach. I was like, mm, that's good. Yes. That was so, that was, right? It makes all the sense in the world that God didn't give me the gift of teaching so I can edify myself. But he did it for the purpose of the body. It's for the we. He's gifted us for the purpose of the church, right? And if you don't believe me, he says, listen, I gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers, why? To mend back what has been broken because of sin, the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. Why? So that we can have a mutual concern for one another, a mutual concern for all of our maturity in the body of Christ, right? In verse 13, it says this, until we all reach unity in the faith, and then the knowledge of God's son growing into maturity with a stature measured in Christ's fullness, right? He says it's until we all reach the unity of the faith, not just me, until we all reach the unity, right? Then we, first person plural, will no longer be tossed to and fro. We'll no longer be blown around by every wind and teaching, by human and cleverness, in the techniques of deceit, but speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. From him, the whole body. You may not understand church, but you understand body. Does anybody, have you ever seen a healthy thumb detached from anybody? It's impossible. So can you be a healthy part of the body of Christ, but not a part of a local church? No. The Bible is clear. God has given us imagery. He's given us metaphors. He's letting us know that it is a no. So as we go through our deconstruction and all those different things, the decolonizing, you can't, you got to reconstruct it with the we in mind, with the body in mind. Right? And so he says, but speaking the truth of love, let us grow in every way into the head, which is Christ. You got to keep Christ in mind because we know that the only part of the body, if you cut the head off, you're dead. From him, the whole body being fitted, knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love by the proper working of each individual part. So it doesn't give us a way out. We still have our play to play our part, right? So we play our part for the purpose of the we, right? And so what I, wanna, what I want us to do is that we're going to have um, a couple of our ministry team leaders. They're going to come up. We can make your way up. And really just talk about, well, how does this play itself out, right? And again, I want you to understand the logic of where we're going, right? The logic of what we've been talking about says, what is the church? 
right? And in the church, we talked about the word ecclesia. We talked about the idea of all these metaphors that God has given us. And then we say, why does the church exist? We exist for three primary relationships, our relationship with God, our relationship with our neighbors, and our relationship with, our, um, with one another. But then as that is like, what are those relationships to be known for? We ought to be known for our love, our joy, our peace, our patience, right? We ought to be known for those things, right? And instead of being known by the lust of the flesh, our envy, our strife, our malice, our gossip, those are the things that we're not to be known for, right? So if that is the case, then everything that we do as a church is to protect the identity of love. Our joy, our peace, our patience, our love for one another is to protect how we walk with God in the Spirit of God. So we have um, different people, different ministry leaders, and this is the time. Pull out your sheets. You have a sheet every single one. There's a sheet that we put on each and every one of your tables. You can sit the outer stand right here. Um, and basically, I've asked them to come and just think about, so how do we cultivate? How do we protect? How is this so important, not just for these men and women to, to, to do and to oversee these ministries, but for us to be a part of the family's business, to be a part of what we are a part about. So we're going to have them briefly share, and then we're going to have them go to different parts, and we're going to just walk around. And in the mind, I want you to think about three different ministries that you, that you can see yourself serving in, three different ministries. And then we're going to take about five to uh, about 10 minutes to just go around and you're gonna have a chance just to go talk to them individually or talk to them in smaller groups. And so we're gonna do that and so just to let you know um, kind of how this is going to go. And so first I want you guys just to kind of walk through, walk down the line and just give us a little bit about who you are and the ministry you represent and then we'll go from there. So Tara, why don't you start and then we'll just kind of go walk down. What I love too or just the ministry? The ministry. Okay. My name is Tara, and I am the servant leader of hospitality. My name is Roy, and uh, my ministry is facilities. Hey, my name is Josh Wassenaar, and I lead the Salt Company, which is our college ministry. A ton of college students out here today. What's up? Pumped to see you guys here. My name is Mitchell Dugan, um, and I oversee our missions department and missions team at Blueprint Church. Hi, my name is Tracy Wassenaar, and I am helping with Hello World currently. Good morning. I'm Angela Burks, and I am a servant leader with the prayer team. Hey, my name is Mike, and I serve on the leadership team with Crew, which is our middle school and high school ministry. A few of us over there in the shirts. All right, there we go. Uh, good afternoon. My name is Evan, and I'm the worship director here. All right, amen. Amen. So really what, what we want to do is just tell us a little bit about just the ministry specifically and how you help us to make disciples, you know, as a church. Everybody doesn't have to answer, so I'll just ask a couple of you guys to answer because it's a lot, and hopefully you guys will get a chance to, to share more at the tables. But Evan, why don't you kick us off? Yeah, sure. So look, um, clearly I play music and we sing songs. <laughs> um, but man, it's so much more than that, right? We worship, we, we have the opportunity really to lead our brothers and sisters and, and our church and our family um, into the presence um, of God, um, which um, I think is a, is a lot more 
Uh, it takes a lot more skill. It takes a lot more um, umph. It takes a lot more spirit. It takes a lot more Holy Ghost because sometimes you just don't feel like doing it in the morning. Um, but there's a certain level of, of commitment that's needed in order to make that happen. So, man, how, how do we make disciples look? <laughs> Think about the songs this morning, right? Um, we talked about firm foundation. We talked about clap your hands, all you people, and shout with the voice of triumph. Some folks probably didn't feel like triumph this morning. Um, but a number of the songs that we sing, really, they point us back to Christ. They point us back to the goodness of God. They point us back to the gospel. They point us back to our good, good father. They point us back to reasons why we can um, walk a little bit uh, taller, reasons why we can um, walk realizing that we've got somebody that has poured out grace. Don't get me preaching up here. But Amen. Look, Amen. Uh, the pre- hey, stop. The, the preaching has already right. taken place. We are, we are, but no, thank you, Evan. No, and again, Evan is, he's responsible not just for the music, but all the stuff that goes on stage. You know, so all the way from the MCing and all of that, the, the dynamic. Um, Tara, why don't you share a little bit on, on this end, um, just host team and how host team helps us basically fulfill our, our overall mission to make disciples. Yes. So hospitality uh, is broad. There are several roles within hospitality, but the goal is the same. Um, some of the roles are parking, right? Um, the greeters that you see that come in with the the blue shirts, the connect team leaders that are in the back with the connect cards, and then also recharge. Um, A little bit about each one, parking, generosity, kindness, demonstrating God's love through an interaction. Um, The host, the same, connect. The goal to make disciples here at Blueprint Church is to get you involved, to to, uh, create a hospitable place within um, the church, primarily city groups, to get you connected so that you are known um, by your group. And they, um, and you know them. And that it's, it's an opportunity to really grow in the fullness that Tahari was talking about, the loving one another, the speaking the truth to one another, the growing in the go- gospel in the context of family while on mission together. Recharge is a hospitable place where amazing cooks um, cook it up every Sunday for their ministry leaders. And they make disciples by praying for them, by writing cards of encouragement to them. And if you don't know how to cook, you can clean up. You can help assist on that team. So really connecting people into the life of the church from friends, uh, from guests to friends to family so that you have a place where you belong and where you matter. Amen. That's good. And um, so basically what you were saying is like a part of our host team is that in every single person who comes is a part of either a guest, a friend, or a family. Our goal is that we want our guests to become friends and our friends to become family. And right, and they basically walk alongside in that process to do. What about um, Angelo? Um, prayer, our prayer team. Prayer is essential. We want you to walk in victory. And we believe, because God told us, that he wants us to pray continuously. That means always. And so our prayer team, we get together every Thursday on Zoom to pray for all the concerns of the church, concerns of individuals, healing. Um, We have testimonies. Oh, my God. We have seen so many things come to pass just because we have been faithful and coming together and praying together. And it's so amazing to hear people share their stories about things that we've been praying for and they come back and tell us what has happened. It's, it's been awesome. I've been a part of the prayer team since I started um, coming to Blueprint, right around 2018, first of 2019. 
And we are a small team, but it's a powerful, powerful team of prayer. God's called us to come and pray together. We don't want you to worry about anything, but pray about everything. Amen. 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 All right. Um, and so, and also, you know, with that, we have um, like different age groups. So we have our Hello World, our crew. Um, we have our start with Collegiate. So I, I would love for um, Tracy, who is currently... She is our former Hello World director and is now transitioning to being our SALT Women's director. You know, and so Tracy, tell us a little bit about Hello World um, specifically and, and what are some of your current needs? Oh my goodness, you guys. Hello World's the best. We, yeah, yeah, we love the kids here at Blueprint. But honestly, Hello World is a perfect space where you get an opportunity to have fun, not only with the other people that you're serving with, but generally with the kids, and get an opportunity to help lay a foundation for which they would know and love Jesus for hopefully the rest of their life. So starting from infants onward to uh, fifth grade, you'd get an opportunity to sit with them, love on them, play games with them, and really show them the beauty of the gospel. And then another opportunity is that we get to love our parents so they get to trust us with their kids for a couple of hours down in Hello World while they get to, to worship and love the Lord here in service without being distracted. So it's a great opportunity for us as a church body to serve our parents and to serve our children. So, um, yeah. Needs. What are some of your specific needs? Huge needs. I would say Hello World is probably one of the bigger needs for Blueprint. Um, we need volunteers. We need volunteers to either serve with the babies. You get to hold cute little babies, which is sweet. Pray over them. Love on them. Um, we also need um, volunteers with our pre-K. That's a space where you can just get to teach them some of the gospel, but also just play around with them. And then also just our K through fifth classrooms as well, too. So um, a little bit more structure to that. But yet again, you're playing with them, hanging out with them, um, having a really good time with those kids. And then if you're like, man, I don't know how I feel about kids. I'm a little nervous around them. There's other opportunities within Hello World that you can serve. You could be a team captain. You can help with impressions, which is just welcoming people in, making sure kids know which classroom they're in, and making sure that our kids are safe. So a huge need there. And what is, like, what are you trying to ask? How often are you trying to get involvement? Yes, yes. Look, Dahadi is going. You only need to serve one Sunday out of the month. So that's not even that high of a need, but it has great, great impact on our kids and our families here. So once a month on a Sunday, you go down to Hello World, um, get to make some friends, love on kids, um, and serve. Amen. Mike, what about our crew? So you, um, Hello World is from infant all the way to fifth grade, but then in sixth grade, they become crew, middle school, high school. Share a little bit about crew and your specific needs. Oh, yeah, thanks, Ahadi. So our, our goal is uh, for our middle schoolers and high schoolers here at Blueprint, uh, our goal is to partner with parents and caregivers to ignite a youth disciple-making movement. You know, kind of the force of gravity, this kind of default, the gospel is for adults. Uh, nothing could be further from what Jesus taught, right? Um, we know it takes a church, uh, and so we're really pumped. Uh, we had a good core that started last year, and uh, we're looking to continue that. Um, and so our needs 
are volunteers, absolutely. Uh, parents and caregivers to volunteer, young adults, uh, college age to volunteer, uh, and also for uh, you parents and caregivers that have a middle schooler, have a high schooler, send them. Please participate. Send them to be a part of this community. We feel like we're, we're building a growing, dynamic community of, of young people. And so I think that's, uh, that's probably uh, at the top of our list uh, would be volunteers and, uh, and sending so we can really grow this community. Yeah, so we're going to meet every first and third Sunday at 1.15, so immediately following the service, so every first and third Sunday. And then the second type of meeting we have is, uh, is a once-a-month event. So the first and third Sundays, that's really where we focus on equipping uh, and bringing that community of middle schoolers and high schoolers together. Uh, and also, we need volunteers so we can kind of separate them out, high school and, and uh, middle school with small groups and things like that to really hit those developmental concerns. Uh, and so first and third Sundays here, and then the once a month meeting, we hope to create a, a space where they can invite their friends, invite their non-believing friends, you know, and hear the gospel, hear, hear middle schoolers and high schoolers give testimony of how Jesus is entering their life and changing their lives. So, Amen. Amen. So, um, Thank you. I mean, so Hello World crew, please, please, please come alongside, you know, in terms of helping us to come alongside the discipline our children. We heard a little bit of, from college um, a couple of months ago, a couple of weeks ago through our SALT company. But Josh, I would love for you just to share briefly just kind of what you're celebrating and kind of even invite them to what you're doing today. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the past week we've been on campuses at Georgia Tech, Georgia State. We're gonna, about to get on Emory a little bit more, and it's been a pretty fun chaotic, exhausting week, but I think I'm just celebrating, like, all the students that are here today. So, like, if you're a student, you should, like, scream or something. I don't know. Like, like, like be loud. Yeah, there we go. So, uh, uh, genuinely, like, God has actually been moving. That's pretty sweet, and we have students from multiple different campuses. Um, but then on Thursday, we're going to have a, our first kickoff, so our first official college gathering of the school year. Um, that's going to be a ton of fun. But if you're a college student today, Stick around after service. We're actually going to have food for you. We're going to have a, we were going to do a cookout, but it was kind of raining. We're not sure. So we're doing a cook in. Uh, <laughs> we're bringing the food in. It'll be fun. Uh, but we'll have a lot of fun. And if it's nice outside, we might go outside, shoot some hoops. Who knows? Um, but stick around. Love to get to know you a little bit more. That's what we're doing. Amen. Amen. And so, again, part of that is, you know, outward-facing ministry, trying to reach over 250,000 college students that are in the Atlanta metro area, you know, and so really excited about the team. And so over the next couple of weeks, we've been talking about how to protect our identity. Next week, we'll be talking about how do we put our identity on display, right? And we'll be talking about both how do we do that locally in our city groups, but then also internationally, right, in um, a couple of weeks. So Mitch, share a little bit about kind of the, the team. I know we'll share more um, in the next couple of weeks, but um, share a little about the team and just what, it, what it's about. Yeah, no problem. So the goal of when we talk about missions at Blueprint Church, that word has a lot of different meanings for a lot of different people, but we're just talking about how can we mobilize our people to be on mission, to do ministry locally and globally. Um, and so that's through three primary avenues. That's through our city groups. That's with international students that are in Atlanta. Um, again, 250,000 college students in Atlanta. A good chunk of those are internationals. And then if you look just international community in Atlanta, uh, if you're talking greater metro Atlanta, there are almost one million people 
out of our population that are second or less generation international, so coming from a different country. Um, and then third would be sending, short-term, mid-term, long-term trips, having people move overseas long-term, having people go on a short-term trip that we do in the spring sometimes, or sending college students for the summer. So in terms of wins, um, yeah, I would say two big ones. In terms of the city groups, right now just getting to visit all of our city groups and see like, man, shouts out to Sandy Springs this week for hosting. That was really great, love y'all. Um, but just seeing like how our city groups are just engaging their neighborhoods and that's really great. Um, and then in terms of sending, we got to send two college students that we'll hear from in a couple weeks about how their trip went over the summer. They were um, in Thailand for almost two months. And then we, if you were here a couple months ago, we got to commission one of our couples, the Youngs, to move to the Middle East. And they right now are in training in Virginia, and they're doing a lot of what they'll be doing there. And this, so right now they're in the middle of like, hey, go out and share your faith in international communities there that look like where you're going to be serving. Just practice, have practice runs. And this week from their different teams that are going out, that they're sending out to be on a long-term basis in the next month, there were 16 people that came to faith from their interactions. Um, and so just being a part of that, right? Like, praise God. And that's like, oh, that's someone in Virginia I don't know, or that's someone overseas that I'm not gonna see. But we as a church get to be about, man, how do we send well? How do we equip well? How do we pray for the saints as we go out and do ministry in our neighborhoods and to the nations? Amen, amen. That is good, thank you. Thanks, Mitch. Um, and so some of you guys may be like, all right, this is a lot, a lot of information. Um, and some of you is like, I don't like speaking and being in front, but I like to work with my hands. Roy is overseeing all of our facilities and, and all of that. And so Roy, tell them a little bit what you do and how they can come and get connected and help you out. Good morning. Let me begin by saying that God loves a beautiful building and those that help him make it uh, that way. Uh, facilities very, uh, um, right now facilities need a lot of volunteer actually, and uh, it can encompass uh, um, uh, maintenance, cleanliness, and uh, some projects. And uh, by the way, uh, skills are optional. <laughs> Desire to serve is a must. And uh, right now we'll be hosting today um, the uh, medical uh, event, health event, as well as uh, a ministry event uh, today. Amen. Thank you. All right. So what we're going to do right now is that we're going to have them go to their tables and we're just going to spend about six or seven minutes. And what I want you to do is I'm going to let you about two minutes at each one, but it's going to be real quick. It's like speed dating. You don't have to confess if you've ever speed dated before. But... We're gonna allow them to go. We're gonna give you a couple of minutes to go. So choose in your mind, like, hey, here's two or three ministries that I think that I would wanna serve. And then you just go to that. And then I'm gonna give you about two minutes and I'm gonna say, all right, time to switch. And then we'll switch to somewhere else. And then we wanna do that two or three times. And then we're gonna sing and then we'll be done for the day. So, all right, so I'm gonna put you guys on the clock. You got one minute to get to the station. Two minutes for the hear the, them ask questions, and we'll go from there. All right, and we got media also in the back. Media, if you are media-driven, media-oriented, media is also in the back. So prayer, missions. All right, I'm putting you on the clock. Everybody get up. This is Force Fun. Everybody go. Thanks for worshiping with us. For more information about Blueprint Church, visit us online at blueprintchurch.org. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Blueprint Church. 
Have a great week, and we'll see you next Sunday.